We are a church to churches, a ministry to ministries, and we always love to bless when someone is in the house who's a pastor of another church. So uh, a few months back, I met um, Pastor Comey, or also Comfort is her full name, and she pastors a, a church here in Portsmouth. They meet at the John Pound Center on Sunday afternoons, very much a passion for prayer. And uh, church is called New Covenant Church. And I remember when she said that to me, I said, yeah, New Covenant, much better than the old. And uh, a good name for a church. So I would love it for us as a church family. And guys, any time there are pastors in, in uh, you know, leaders that come amongst us, please let us know because we'd love to be able to pray for and bless them. So, Commie, if you just want to stand up. Guys, as a church, let's stand up as well and reach our hands towards Commie. Uh, and we're going to pray for her. And we're going to pray for New Covenant Church, God's blessing to be upon it. So, Lord God, we just thank you. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you for Commie. Thank you for her life. Thank you for her witness. Thank you for her obedience to step up to the call of God to pastor your people, Lord. And we just pray fresh fire of God upon New Covenant Church. We pray that you would do a new thing in that place, do a new thing with those people. Lord, we just pray uh, for an increase, a greater fruitfulness for your kingdom, Lord. And we just pray for strength. We pray for wisdom. Lord, we, we just pray for your divine guidance that Kami will just step into the fullness of all that you have for us. So, Lord, we pray, may this be a flourishing place, a flourishing community, Lord God. And we just thank you for Kami being here today to visit us and to know that she's with family. Lord, we are all part of the family of God. And so we thank you for, we honor her and we bless her. And just see, Kami, I just, uh, as I was praying for you, even before the, the service, I just saw uh, you stretching out your wings. And just a sense of the Holy Spirit, God is saying that the, the word of the Lord is to stretch out your wings and get ready to take flight. So, Lord God, we pray for that. We thank you, Lord, for, for the wind of your spirit. And as Kami just in obedience steps out, whatever that means to her in her situation, Lord, I thank you that you're getting ready for her to take flight and for her to go higher. So we bless her in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Let's give Kami a round of applause. Praise the Lord. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. Yeah, um, I really thank God for the incredible privilege to be here today. I want to appreciate God for um, City Life Church. And I want to thank God Almighty for the day I met this mighty man of God. You know, we, all the pastors in uh, Portsmouth, we meet every first um, Thursday of the month, and I happened to see uh, Pastor Daniel, and that day, they said we should pair together to pray, and um, the Lord orchestrated it that I paired with him, and I can see the fire that came out of him. We give God the glory, and um, I really thank God, even when I walked in here this morning, I can see the aura of God. The tangible presence of God here. I was really touched in my spirit. I really want to thank God for each and every one of you that are here today. And I pray that this month is going to be a month of your perfection. A fruitful month for you. A month of fulfilling. 
a month of restoration and favor of God upon your lives. I thank God. But I have a word from the Lord for this church today. It's taken from the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 60, from verse 19. Um, it says, The sun shall be no more than light by day, neither for brightness shall the moon give light unto thee. But the Lord shall be unto you thee an everlasting light, and thy God your glory. Verse 20 says, The sun shall no more go down. Neither shall the moon withdraw itself, for the Lord shall be their everlasting light, and the days of their morning shall be um, ended. But finally, it says, Thy people shall be all righteous, they shall inherit the land forever. The branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I may be glorified. A little one shall become a thousand, and a small one a strong nation. I, the Lord, will hasten it, and it will come to pass at this time. Praise the Lord. And I know that God is raising nations from this very church, and God will continue to expand you, expand your territories, and you will win more and more souls from the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Love that. I love the diversity in the body of Christ, and we're going to be seeing a lot more of that because God's called us to be a church of all nations. Everyone say all nations. Not some, not most, all nations. That's what God's heart is. He loves the world, and I really do believe as we honor and as we bless and we as embrace people that are coming in, those people that are away from home, we want to be uh, the home away from home. And that when people come in, they, they feel like they're coming home, that they're, they're feeling part of God's family. Well, uh, first of all, I just uh, want to share a little bit of testimony about um, my time on the Isle of Wight. So uh, I spent uh, three days on the Isle of Wight uh, with Steve Upple and a few of the other guys from the All Nations Movement team, uh, which was great. And we were just ministering to pastors and leaders and churches across the island. And, you know, for many years, uh, there's been this discussion about the possibility of will there ever be a bridge that will go out from the mainland to the Isle of Wight? Now, I'm not sure that will ever happen, but here's one thing that I do know is that when I see the Isle of Wight, when I'm looking out from South Sea Front or if I'm on top of the hill, I pray this prayer, let there be bridges of blessing, let there be heavenly highways and divine connections. And I've been praying that prayer for years and going over onto the island, it was amazing of just connecting with all new churches, new pastors, new leaders. And they're just hungry uh, for the things of God. So it was really encouraging just seeing what God was doing and, and meeting um, different people. So be encouraged because, in a sense, with you guys releasing me as your pastor out, um, the blessings that I get to walk in, you get to enjoy as well. Because we're a community, we're a family, we're all in this together. And so uh, I'm really encouraged. And obviously, a couple of weeks' time, we've got the Lionheart Festival, and 
So, you know, we, we felt it was important to go and bathe that pray, uh, place in prayer. We went up to the highest point on the Isle of Wight, which is called St. Boniface Down. Uh, and if you know anything about spiritual warfare, uh, you'll know that a lot of occult practice happens on the high points. They're very significant places, and often by waters and streams as well, you get a lot of uh, witchcraft and demonic activity that goes on. So we were going up to the top and saying, Jesus is Lord. Uh, he's the king. He's the victorious one. We're not afraid. We don't need to be afraid because we know the greater one lives in us. Uh, but, you know, just as God said to Joshua in, in Joshua 1.3, everywhere the soles of your feet tread, I'll give you the land. And so we were up there. And we're just saying, this belongs to Jesus. The, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, it all belongs to him. And so we were just claiming and proclaiming uh, the truth and the victory that we have uh, in Jesus. We were able to overlook the site where Lionheart Festival is going to be running and just reaching out our hands and, and praying. And, you know, we need to know this. In, in James 5.16, it says, the prayers of a righteous person avails much. Uh, guys, we have underestimated the power of prayer for too long. Your prayers shift and shape and change things. I remember being on top of Portsdown Hill, praying over the city, uh, looking out as well to the Isle of Wight, and I had a vision in that moment where I started to see the landscape shift and shape and change, and mountains were being raised up, and valleys were, were being made low, and there are all these changes that were happening. And when I was younger, one of the things that I uh, was quite addicted to is a confession of mine. I used to be very addicted to computer games. Does anyone else here relate to that? Anyone else in the congregation? Okay, it's, uh, there's a few hands going up there. Um, and I used to play this game called Sim City. Oh, Sim City was an amazing game where you could build a city. And uh, you could have different buildings and hospitals and roads and air, uh, airports. And it was an amazing game. Uh, but there was a mode that you could play the game where you didn't have to kind of earn money uh, to kind of build stuff. It was called God mode. And in God mode, there's nothing you can't do. Money is, you know, not an issue. It's not a problem. So you could literally you know, bring a valley and lift it up and suddenly it becomes a mountain. Or you could take a mountain, you could push it down and it would become a valley. Or, you know, you could flatten the whole land out. You could put rivers and streams. You could do whatever you wanted. It was God mode. And just as I was praying uh, from the top of Fort Downhill, I literally saw the landscape changing. And I felt like God was saying, I'm showing you this so that you know that your prayers are making a difference. If you could see what goes on in the spirit realm when you pray, you would pray a lot more. Because your prayers, they pack a punch in the spirit. It's powerful. It makes a difference. And God wants us to be a praying church. You know, I was encouraging the people on the Isle of Wight. I said this phrase. I said, it's time to quit playing church and it's time to be a praying church. And, and I do believe that for the church in the West... Uh, where we have neglected prayer. Isn't it interesting? We can watch Netflix for hours, but if you say pray for an hour, suddenly it becomes, oh, I can't do that. Why is that? That we can watch TV, we can 
go on our phones and look on Facebook. You know, we can scroll through, you know, endlessly. We can watch, you know, movies and football games or whatever. Very easy to do that when you're in entertainment mode. But then when it comes to a discipline, prayer is a discipline. And God's called us to be disciples of Jesus. That word disciple means to be a disciplined follower. We have to get back to some spiritual disciplines if we want to see the power of God move. It's every single revival and great awakening and move of God was always preceded by prayer. Without exception. So, how many of you here want to see revival and a great awakening? You want to see God's kingdom come. You want to see more fruitfulness. You want to see that light shining as we were reading about, Comey was reading about in Isaiah. We want to see that. But we've got to be people that, are, that engage in prayer. Not from a place of obligation, not from a, a place of legalism, but just because it's a privilege. I think it was uh, Corrie Ten Boom, uh, she said that... Uh, uh, like wings are to a bird, and like sails are to a ship, so is prayer to the soul. It's prayer that will help us take flight. It's prayer that will help move us forward. And it's not about our power, it's about us uh, lifting up our sails and the Spirit of God breathing on us. That ruah of God, that means the wind of God will move you forward. So actually, when you're posturing yourself to God, you'll actually find that you will do less and yet achieve way more. So imagine like, you know, we're, we're going from Portsmouth to the Isle of Wight. And so you jump in and, you know, you're working really hard with, you know, swimming. Okay. How many of you know that's going to be really tiring in your own effort? But suddenly someone comes and they lift you into their little boat and they say, hey, come on, you, there's a lot of hard work that you're doing there unnecessarily. Get in the boat. And they put up the sails and suddenly the wind just hits those sails. And you're able to accelerate. You're able to do less but actually achieve way more and in a much quicker time. That's what happens when we pray. And so I want to encourage you, be praying for Lionheart. We as a church... You know, every uh, gift that comes into the church, it gets used for doing lots of amazing community outreaches and stuff that we're doing, touching lives locally, nationally, and globally. But we as a church, we also sow out, minimum we sow out 10% to other ministries and movements around the world. Orphanages, prison outreaches, um, helping you know, with widows, helping with, with those in poverty. And one of the things that we sowed into as a church is Lion Heart Festival. So we love Joseph, and Joseph, many of you know Joseph Shermer was part of the church here. And whilst he was here and he was sharing his vision, we were like, go for it, Joseph. We believe in you, and we're cheering you on because we know this is about the kingdom of God. There's a bigger picture and so we really were just encouraging him in the gift of faith that God's given to Joseph. You know, a couple of weeks ago on the Isle of Wight, they had an Isle of Wight festival where they had over 90,000 people that were basically worshipping man. They were, it was about the, the praises of humanity. Uh, there was a lot of excessive drinking and drugs and promiscuity and all that sin going on. Okay, 
Joseph and his team are saying, hey, why does the world have to have all the best festivals? So he's doing a Christian festival called Lion Heart. And I love that because lions are loud and they roar and their voice carry. You know that when a lion roars, its, it's roar can carry for eight miles. Church, we've been quiet for too long and we need to turn up the volume and we need to get our roar back. And one of the ways we do that is through prayer. Commie has to get off because she's leading a service, another service. So, uh, you know, thank you for your prayers for Commie. We really appreciate that. And there's going to be more pastors and leaders coming here. So be keeping an eye out and do let us know as well so we can be a blessing um, to them. So let's pray right now for Lionheart Festival. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Let's pray. Lord God, we lift up the Lionheart Festival to you. We thank you, God, that your heart is for the Isle of Wight. We pray that prayer again, Lord, but we pray it corporately, Lord. Bridges of blessing, heavenly highways, divine connections. We pray, God, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on the Isle of Wight. We thank you for a great time this week on the island. And thank you that you're preparing the way. We thank you that our prayers are effective and powerful and making a difference. And we pray that the lion of the tribe of Judah, Jesus Christ, will roar again. We pray that the church of Jesus Christ will get its roar back. Lord, we pray that we will not be silent, we will not be timid, but Lord, we will boldly, courageously step into the things of God. And we pray that the Lionheart Festival is going to be a big success. Lord, that the kingdom of God's going to advance, that people are going to get saved, healed, delivered, set free. Lord God, we pray and ask this, and we pray blessing upon Joseph and the team, Lord God, and we pray for provisions of volunteers and finance and everything that they need for it to go well. We pray for all of the technology to work. Uh, Lord, we just pray that it will be a powerful time in your presence, and that the island will never be the same again. We pray it in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen, amen. You may take your seats. Who here has ever done a jigsaw puzzle? Most of us have done jigsaw puzzles, probably particularly in your childhood. Because it's part of the learning that often children are given jigsaw puzzles to help them with their, their cognition, learning how to think and, and where things get pieced together. Maybe some of you still do jigsaw puzzles. I know people that are in senior years that will uh, have great enjoyment of putting jigsaw puzzles together. But I wonder, have you ever done a jigsaw puzzle and you've been getting towards the end and then suddenly you become aware there's a piece missing? Maybe there might be a few pieces missing. You're like, oh my days, I've gone through all of this and there's a piece missing. Or maybe if you like board games, if you ever played a board game, you've been really excited, oh, let's play a board game. You get the board game out, get it all laid out, and then you suddenly realize that there's some pieces missing. Anyone had that experience before? Yeah, yeah. It's happened to many of us. There is a picture of the church that the Bible calls the body of Christ. Or in uh, other places, the Bible calls it the bride of Christ. But the sad thing is that there are many pieces that are missing from the picture. There's pieces that are 
very important, that have an important role to play in what God wants to do. But the sad thing is that they are missing. We have empty seats here. There's people that are missing that should be here. God has created a family and we all have a part to play. We are all being called to be part of that. But we have this problem where many people are saying, we don't need church anymore. <laughs> many people have drifted and, uh, and strayed during these last couple of years, breaking out of the habit of being in church. Now, we know that we, you know, we often say, oh, I'm going to church. But how many of you know that if you're a believer, you don't go to church, you are the church. So it's who you are, it's your identity, we are the church. But the church does gather. And so it's important that we have those times of the collective where we come together. But there's a lot of fragmentation, there's a lot of pieces that are missing. And, and, and I want to say that those people that say, I don't need to gather anymore, I want you to know this, that's a lie from the pit of hell. You were created for family, the family of God. You were, you were formed and, and fashioned for, for friendship, uh, Christian fellowship. You were born to belong to a body of believers. That's part of God's plan and purpose and destiny for you. You were not created to go it alone. You were not created to be an island Together, when we come together, that's where you see the full picture. We see the body of Christ. We see the bride of Christ. God has called us. It's God's idea. The church is God's idea. Now, sometimes church is difficult, right? Sometimes we don't always want to gather, right? Or is that just me? Sometimes if I'm feeling a little bit tired, I'm like, oh, Lord. Just do a lie-in or do something else. Okay, we all have those, those feelings, those times. Maybe we don't always feel like reading our Bible. We don't always feel like praying. We don't always feel like doing exercise. But how many of you know it's good for us? There's, you know, if, if we're always only doing things that we find comfortable, you're never going to grow. You grow the most when you lean into those spiritual disciplines where it's going to help you to grow and develop as an individual. And corporately as well. You know, sometimes I hear people say, oh, no, nah, I, don't, I don't go to church. You know, I'm not really, you know, it's, I, I don't really get much out of it. Now, let me address that head on. I don't get much out of it. Who is, who is that centered on? It's on I. What's the middle letter in sin? I. It's not about going to church for what you want. It's not about going to church for entertainment. You're not going to the cinema. You're not going, you know, just have your ears tickled. You're going to praise God. You're going, it's about Him. It's, it's worshipping an audience of one, you know, and it, it saddens me. When people, oh, well, I didn't like the song choice that Alan picked today. He, he didn't pick my best songs. Well, hey, big revelation. The worship wasn't for you. The worship was for King Jesus. It's about what he wants, what he likes. And it's about getting our hearts and attitudes right where we're saying, God, it's all for your glory. 
So we have to, thus saith the Lord, get over yourself. Turn to your neighbor and say, get over yourself. Sometimes we have to speak the truth in love. And, and we have to say it as it is because there is a lie that has been seeping into the church that you don't need to gather. And it's robbing the church of power. It's robbing the church of its authority because together we can do more, we can reach more, we can go further. There's a saying that if you want to go fast, go it alone. If you want to go far, go together. And we want to go far and we want to go together. And God's building his church and there is an army that's rising up. And God is bringing a greater unity in the body of Christ. You know, for those of you that, uh, um, you know, are married, you know, when I hear people saying, oh, you know, I love God, I love Jesus, but I don't like the church, I'm, I'm not really into the church, you know, it's not really my thing, uh, you know, yeah, I don't really want the church bit, but I want the God bit, I want the Jesus bit. Those of you that are married, can you imagine someone saying to you, um, Susie, you know, oh, I love you, but I can't stand your husband. I mean, you know, those of you husbands, you know, can you imagine, you know, Paul, oh, you know, I love you, mate, can't stand your wife. I mean, how would you feel as married couples, like, it's like, what? If we say that we love the Lord, and the church is the bride of Christ, then we cannot say we love him without his bride. So the Lord wants us to learn to love the bride. And sometimes it's difficult because people are like, oh yeah, but you know, I struggle at church because people are rude to me and people, you know, hello, we're, we're an imperfect place. Oh, well, you know, I heard someone was doing this wrong and they did that wrong and they didn't say hello to me or whatever. And we have these complaints about other people. But the reality is like, Guys, if we are reaching out, we're going to be an outreach church. There's going to be a lot more messy people coming in to join us, a messy bunch of people, that we need, we need God's saving grace just as much as everyone else. And when you get people that are just like pointing out all these sins, you know what I think? Pharisee. You heard of the Pharisees in the Bible? They're always about rule breaking. Oh, well, you know, this person didn't do this and this person didn't do that. And often those that are the most critical are the ones who are the most guilty for breaking the laws. Because it's about heart. When Jesus saw that woman who was caught in adultery and she was brought out into the open and there were the, the Pharisees with their stones waiting to stone her because the law said that if you were caught in that act, you know, there would be that judgment. They were there with their stones waiting to, to, to cast judgment on this woman who it sounds like had been put in a bit of a trap and had been stitched up. And Jesus draws a line and, and he says, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. And it's really interesting that it says in that passage that the elders, the older ones, put down their stones. Jesus wrote in the sand. Now, what was he writing in the sand? It doesn't tell us in the scriptures, but I wonder if he was writing the names of certain sins. Maybe he was writing the names of certain people that he knew had been with that lady. 
maybe he was actually basically he was reading their mail and the elders were like oh we better get out of here because if he keeps on writing he's going to reveal some stuff and uh, we're going to be very embarrassed so they had wisdom in that moment and they put down their stones and they walked away so we should never be about pushing people down we should never be about looking down on people unless we're there to pick them up God's called us as the church of Jesus Christ to be people that pick people up, that we lift them up out of the mire. Now, Jesus didn't just wink at the sin and say, hey, it doesn't matter, continue being promiscuous. No, he said, hey, daughter, sin no more. In other words, don't do this to yourself. You're a daughter of the king. You deserve so much more. And when you begin to value yourself, because this is a thing, people often throw themselves around into the hands of the world and evil and the enemy and sin and all that, because they don't value themselves. But when you know who you are and you know whose you are, it changes everything. You need to know you are loved. You are loved. You are a royal uh, priesthood. You are uh, part of God's holy family. And so God's called us to be a, a restoration people. He's called us to love his church. You know, in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, we're going to read this, 1 Corinthians 12, and we're going to go from verse 12 to 27. It's a little bit of a chunk, but I'm sure it will uh, bless and encourage you because this is something that really highlights the importance of church. And... I've titled this message, and we're actually going to be doing a series on this. Uh, it's all around the church. I was actually really encouraged by Russell, because Russell had been speaking to me about this. I thought, yeah, you know what, we do need to do a, a, a series on the church. I've called this, this series, There's No Place Like Home. There's no place like home. Turn to your neighbor and say, there's no place like home. 1 Corinthians 12, 12, just as a body, though one has many parts, there's many of us here, we're many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ, for we were baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, as we were all given the one spirit to drink, even so the body is not made up of one part, but of Many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, uh, it would not for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear... Where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body. Every one of them. Everyone say every one of them. Every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Church, it's, guys, it's God's idea. It's not Pastor Daniel's idea. It's not Shelley's idea. It's not mum's idea. It's God's idea. We're all part of his family. 
And, you know, we each have a significant role to play. And as we all bring our uniqueness together, that's where you see the whole picture. All the bits of the jigsaw are there. It's a good-looking picture. It's the bride of Christ. It's the body of Christ. Ephesians 5.25 says this, Husbands, love your wives. Wives, if you are next to your husband, give them a nudge. Husbands, love your wives. What does it say next? Because sometimes, you know, you'll hear uh, men quoting these scriptures of, yeah, you know, it says in the Bible, women must honor their wives. And, you know, there's almost, there's a little bit of arrogance going. I'll say, oh, yeah, but what does it say after that? It says that we're to love our wives as Christ loved his church, the body. What did Jesus do for the church? Have you ever seen the Passion movie? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's an 18 for a reason. It's pretty horrific when you see the Romans were masters in torture, right? And what Jesus is saying here, yeah, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Sacrifice, commitment, laying down of your own agenda. It's not about what you want. And so God is teaching us here. He's saying, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Why should we go to church? Why should we gather? Why should we belong? Why do we need the church? Because Jesus loved the church. He valued it so much that he laid down his life for the church. And we shouldn't take that cheaply. We shouldn't take that lightly. God has called us to belong, to be part of his body. And there's this deception that has crept into the church saying we don't need it. It's wrong. There's, there's a protection that comes when we're part of the family of God. And we prioritize being in God's house. And can I say this? When you're in God's house, you know, be focused on the Lord. Set your heart to him. Don't allow your mind to drift onto other things. Or if it does, bring it back straight away. Because it's, we're here for him and no other reason than that. Yes, there's a blessing about we're going to encourage one another. We're going to bless one another. But ultimately, it's about the praise, the glory of God. One of the programs that I love to watch on TV, I like watching nature programs. Does anyone else like watching nature programs like to do with wildlife? I'm a bit sad like that. I know some people are like, oh, that's boring. I actually love learning about the environment and and, and the, the oceans and different animals. I, I think I used, to I used to find it really boring when I went to my grandparents and they would be watching these nature programs. And as a little boy, I was like, oh, I want to watch, watch wrestling. I want to watch football. Uh, I want to play computer games. It's amazing how you change when you get older and suddenly I find myself flicking over to the nature channel and actually finding it really fascinating. And now it's like come full circle because my daughters say, oh, Dad, this is boring. So I'm now like in that place where... Have you ever seen on the nature programs where there's like a hunting scene where maybe there's a herd of buffaloes and, and maybe there's some lions or, or some wolves and they hunt in packs, in groups, in communities... They do it together. And what they do is that when there's a herd of buffaloes or deer or whatever it might be that they're chasing after because they're hungry, um, what do they try and do? They try to pick off the weakest and to separate them 
from the crowd, from the community. And if they can get them, get an individual to stray away from their family, they'll find it as an easy target. And a lot of the time, it's, it's the end for that animal that has strayed. So many Christians have strayed from the herd, from the community, from the body of Christ. And we can say, oh yeah, but you know, I'm part of the body of Christ. Yes, we are. I can say I'm married. I am married on paper. But how many of you know it doesn't mean that I'm necessarily spending time with Laura? So we can say we're family, but it's like, hey, yes, you're family. That's the truth. That's your identity. But you need to actually do something to show that you're family. You need to put time in. You need to prioritize and say, I prioritize the family of God. The Lord wants us to be together because there is protection within the community of God. Hebrews 10, 23 to 25 says this. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. There's a lot of wavering that goes on in the church these days. Sometimes it's me. Sometimes it's you. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another. If you've got that in your Bible, highlight it, underline it. Let us consider one another. In order to stir up love and good works. Now you're ready for the ouchy bit. Verse 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. As in the manner of some, but exhorting or encouraging one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. Jesus is returning one day. How many of you know that? Jesus will come back one day. And let's not be caught asleep or, you know, twiddling our fingers. Let's be caught doing the work of the Lord with his family, not straying from the flock, but staying with him. Let's not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Let's not forsake the gathering. There's something that you can only get in the gathering that you can't get anywhere else. And God's called us to follow the Jesus model. Jesus had a small group. He had 12 disciples. But it also said about Jesus, it also says this. I'm going to jump down where, where my verse um, is in Luke 4:16. It says that Jesus went to the synagogue as was his custom. It was his lifestyle to gather with other other believers. We know that obviously Judaism came, um, Christianity came out of Judaism. They didn't have kind of church as we know it today. It was a synagogue, but it was a gathering of believers to worship Yahweh. He recognized. I need to do this and be committed. 
So he prioritized being in God's house. David said, zeal for your house has consumed me. It's no wonder that they called David, the Bible calls David a man after God's own heart. He was consumed with zeal, with passion, with devotion, with commitment to being in God's house. He loved it. And if Jesus went to the synagogue, if he went to the gathering, as was his custom, it was customary, it was lifestyle, it was habit, it was routine. If Jesus needed it and recognized the value and importance, how many of you know we need it too? So if we say, hey, Jesus, I want to follow you, we sing these songs, all for Jesus, I surrender all, but I want my lay in. <laughs> and... And we know it's not, it's not just about Sunday, so please hear me. When you come to follow Jesus, it's not just about Sunday. If you think it's just about Sunday, you're selling yourself short and you're missing the point. It's about Monday through to Sunday. It's about every day of the week. It's about a commitment to follow that when you're saying Jesus, you're not saying, Jesus, you serve my wants, my desires, my needs. It's you saying, King Jesus, you're king of the universe. What do you want me to do for you? What's your desire? What's your heart? What's your plan? We've got to slay this idol of comfort, of materialism, of selfishness that is all about what I want. A lot of people want a savior. They want to be saved from their sins. They want to get to heaven. Great, so do I. But Jesus invites us to follow him as Lord. A Lord gives instructions. A Lord gives commands. And we have these commands to love one another, to love God, to love one another, and also to love ourselves in a healthy biblical way where we recognize that we are who God says we are. God loves his church and he's called us to be a people that belong. There's no place like home. And I want to pray maybe if Alan could just come up and play something in the background. I'd love to be able to pray for us as church because I do feel it's a significant moment for the church because God's cleaning house He's dealing with some things. He's pruning some things. He's challenging hearts and lives. And he's saying, come on, church. You've got to stop playing church, and you've got to be a praying church. You've got to step up. You've got to be who, I'm calling, who I've called and created you to be. Not just on Sunday, but every day of the week. And not just for a few hours at the beginning of the day when you're doing your little quiet time, but no, all the time. That we say, my whole life is yours. My, my every day, it belongs to you. This is the day the Lord has made, and I will rejoice. I will rejoice. It's an act of your will. You don't have to. But as we choose, I will rejoice. I will rejoice. Let's stand to our feet. I want to pray for some people because I recognize that for some of you, maybe you have struggled a little bit with, with church. And I know in, in, in some elements, I'm preaching to the choir here. But I think all of us will recognize that Holy Spirit is speaking to us. I feel challenged today. You guys need to know every time I preach, I'm not here saying I'm perfect and I've got it all together. Because I recognize every time I point the finger, I've got three pointing right back at me. So I'm preaching to myself. I know the Lord's calling me to step up. 
He's calling me to be more surrendered. He's calling me to be more devoted. He's calling me to be more committed to the things of God. But I want to pray because I recognize that some people have been hurt in church. And so I want to pray for God's healing balm to come upon you. But also I want to pray that you will have that love for the church like never before. And as we learn, and we're, we're going to learn more and more about this, to love one another, the Bible says that by your love for one, one another, the world will know that you're my disciples. So it's like when people come in and they see the way we support one another, we pray with one another, we encourage one another, we serve one another, we're all called to do all of the above, people are going to come and say, wow, I've never seen anywhere like this. And they, we will not be able to keep the people from coming. We will not have a building big enough to contain the people that will come when we're really doing biblical community. And so I believe the Lord's inviting us to step in, not to be part of a problem, but to be part of a solution. As we each do our part, as the arm does its part, as the ear does its part, as the eye does its part, as the mouth does its part. And, and even if you're not visible, remember the most vital organs are the ones you can't see. So it's not all about being on a stage. It's not about being seen. The heart and the brain are the two of the most, and the lungs, you know, the three most important. And yet you can't see them. But they're vital for the health and the growth of the body. Let's just close our eyes right now and just allow Holy Spirit to minister. Father God, we love you so much. Thank you that Jesus, that you loved us as your church so much that you gave your life for us. Lord, we're sorry for the times that we have cheapened what it is to be part of the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, your church, your glorious church. Lord, we acknowledge the church is your idea. And God, you always know best. Lord, we want to say sorry for the times that we've watched Netflix for hours. We've watched... You know, we've scrolled through social media, but yet we've neglected the word. We've neglected prayer. We've neglected being in God's house. And Lord God, we pray, stir up a greater passion, Lord. Stir up a greater passion in our hearts, Lord, for fellowship, for community, for gathering, Lord. Lord, help us to live in light of eternity, Lord God, that we will not priority, prioritize things that have no eternal value. Lord God, I pray right now for your healing balm to touch every person's life. Those that may have been hurt by church. And the reality is, every single person here and online, we've all hurt and we've all done hurt. We've all been hurt and we've all hurt others. So we acknowledge we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. So Lord, we're not pointing the finger today, Lord, but we're saying, Lord, we know we need your grace. We need your help. And we look up to the hills from where our help comes from. It comes from the maker of heaven and earth. I pray right now, heal every hurt where there's been disappointment, where there's been rejection, where there's been misunderstandings. Lord, where there's been unrighteous things that have been done. Lord, bring your healing power to the body of Christ. Not just in this place. Not just, Lord, for... for churches across the UK, but around the world, Lord God. Heal your capital C church. Heal the kingdom of God, Lord God. And I pray that, Lord, that we would have a greater passion, desire 
zeal for your house. I pray that zeal for your house will consume us. And Lord God, we know that we are houses of God. We're mobile temples. But God, you've also called us that, that where there is the gathering, the bigger gathering, we get to see a bigger picture. Lord, in the house of God, in that community, Lord, that's where we get to learn to exercise spiritual gifts. We get to learn to grow. And Lord, so often we pray, Jesus, make me more like you. And Lord, we, we run into someone who's got some challenges, some problems, who's maybe a little bit difficult, and we want to run. Lord, we're sorry for that because, Lord, actually, it's part of you answering the prayer that we prayed. Because, Lord, we ask to be more like you, and often you send us people that we struggle with. <laughs> and it's not about them. It's about you dealing with us. It's about you healing us. It's about you transforming us. So, Lord, we say, transform us, God, from the inside out. Lord, we thank you for your welcome, that your door is not closed to us. But your door is open. <laughs> and there's no place like home. We love you, King Jesus. And we thank you, that Lord, that you're going to grow this local expression of church. And Lord, I pray that when people come, that they will feel like we've been expecting them. So it just felt like coming in. It was like you were expecting me. It's like we were. We've been praying for you. We've been waiting for you. So Lord God, we just thank you for it. Take us deeper in our faith with you. Make us stronger in our friendship with you. Take our roots deeper down that we might bear much fruit. For your glory, God. We pray this in the name of God the Father. Jesus Christ the Son. The Holy Spirit and all God's people in agreement said, Amen. Let's give the Lord.